my scripture last week was taken from Genesis 3:20 and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living my message is primarily from the first four chapters of Genesis I came across a story a marketing manager was upset that his wife was not cooking uh, she was not cooking food and and he decided to send an official SMS to his mother-in-law so he sent this your product is not working properly <laughs> his smart mother-in-law replied product sold sealed open warranty expired manufacturer not responsible <laughs> for all mother-in-laws you know what to SMS now I came across two married men discussing the difference between Swarg and Narak okay many of you know Swarg and Narak I'm not saying I agree to it but it's interesting one said Swarg is when you have an American salary a German car Chinese food and an Indian wife very interesting Narak is when you have an American wife German food Chinese car and an Indian salary Somebody talked about marriage. Marriage is all about give and take. You better give it to her or she'll take it anyway. <laughs> I spoke about my first two points last week. And anybody remember my first point? I spoke on the uniqueness of Eve as the first woman. Eve arrived on the planet. I'm going to give you a gist because just to recollect what we did. Eve arrived on the planet without a mother and a father in fact she was created by God on the sixth day of his creation Eve did not evolve from a monkey God was her maker he made her with his own hands Eve was the culmination of all his creation a complete a perfect and incredibly beautiful woman and I believe she was the most beautiful woman because God himself crafted her she was never a child she was never a daughter she was made in the image of God and she was unique as a woman and all the ladies may I ask you to lift your hands please all the ladies all the ladies now please do me a favor don't lift it this way lift it this way your shoulders should be near your forehead ah that way do you know you're unique yes many times you try to compete with a man and say I want to be better than him you know I have news for you this is your pastor saying and this is the word of God saying you're already better than a man can you say amen? amen a woman is always better than a man in being a woman and a man is incredibly better than a woman in being a man the problem is when woman tries to act like a man do like a man she lowers herself are you with me? God has placed you high. The best of all. The second thing I want to share is the temptation of Eve as the first wife. The first thing that happened to Eve right after her creation was that she got married. God brought her to Adam. He goes, ooh la la. And then he met her, fell in love with her. Immediately he got married. That was a, quite a romance, isn't it? They met and married on the same day. You can't beat that. She was made in the image of God just like Adam was. She was made equal to the man. She was to be Adam's help, life's companion, a partner, a helpmeet. She was to compete, uh, complete, 
complete him not compete with him now sadly some of the ladies today are trying to compete with a husband trying to get a salary like him better than him trying to outsmart him in technology and this and that you don't have to you're better don't compete with him you only destroy your own marriage you complete him he is an incomplete man and you are an incomplete woman the two of you the scripture says and the two will become one flesh hallelujah she was to complete him support him help him she was to share equality in the responsibility over creation together they were going to fulfill god's purpose for populating the earth with eve god brought in human relationships friendship and marriage into the world and then one day the serpent came as the first woman she was untainted by sin she knew nothing of sin she was pure innocent and then the devil challenged her you remember the three challenge the devil threw at her what was the first one he challenged her on the authority of god's word has god did god really say and what's the guarantee adam didn't mess it up number 2 he challenged her on the accuracy of god i mean did god really say that you cannot eat from any of the trees of the garden number 3 she he challenged her on the acceptability of the garden of the of the of god's word said in verse 4 you will not surely die god said the day you eat you will die and the devil says no you're not going to die you know you cannot accept that word it's only going to make you brighter and beautiful and make you more like god make you wise and you'll know good and evil you cannot accept this almighty god's word she fell into the temptation and sinned she ate the forbidden fruit and gave it to her husband they immediately fell naked and ashamed something within her was lost and she knew she had become evil the scripture says in genesis 2:25 and the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame see the day they were created the day they were married they were clothed with glory from god they didn't need clothes they were clothed with glory but then the first thing that happened when they sinned was they found themselves completely exposed and naked you know i need to say something that when you sin that is the first thing you should feel you should feel ashamed of yourself you should feel kind of completely exposed you feel completely exposed to god and 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 you should know that something is wrong today more and more people are getting more and more involved in sin and that feeling of shame is getting destroyed more and more people want to do sin in the open and put it on facebook i deleted my facebook from my but my ipad from my phone i said it's, it's not helping i don't want to watch anything that is not going to help me amen but you have a lot of facebook was supposed to be good social but it's turning to be something that i'm not very happy about are you with me and facebook can be addictive some of you spend more time on facebook than with the word of god i decided i'm going to take it off i mean it's not needed i can do without it amen I can choose to go when I want to go but I don't want it freely available on my iPad. But friends, more and more people are 
getting more and more involved in sin and they don't feel ashamed. They don't feel naked. They don't feel a sense of shame. They can put all kinds of things on the net and have absolutely no sense of shame. That is terrible. The day you keep on sinning and sinning and sinning and you lose your sense of shame, something is wrong. Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. And Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. The Bible says, I think it is in Genesis chapter 6, my spirit will not strive with man forever. There is a time when God will come prompting you and telling you this is wrong, this is wrong. And you keep on involving in sin. God says, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you're going to be wiling away in your nakedness, in your shame. And you don't even know that you have lost your sense of dignity. Look at people when they sin. They do it with a sense of pride as if they are doing somebody a favor. Exposing their sin. Thank God they felt ashamed. Thank God they were hiding. A women's liberation speaker was addressing a large group and she said, where would men be today if it were not for the women? You know, they were quite proud of the fact that they were women and better than men, this and that. She says, where would men be today if it were not for the women? Nobody spoke. After some, after she had twice or thrice, an old man from the back said, man would still be in the Garden of Eden eating strawberries. <laughs> well, friend, when they sinned, something happened. God came searching for a man in the garden. They're hiding, but God comes searching and says, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Question I want to ask you, did God know where Adam was? Was he looking for information? Was he looking for information? Did, did Adam know where he was? Yes, he knew too. He was behind the bush. But really, where was you was not talking about the location. It was talking about your position. You lost your position as an anointed holy man. Where are you? You're in a sinful state now. Did you eat of the fruit I told you not to eat? Question, did, did God know you? Whether they ate or not. Can you hide it? It's, it's very interesting. They were hiding. They were hiding behind a bush from an all-seeing God. <laughs> and they were trying to hide themselves with fig leaves. You know, the scripture says he is brighter than 10,000 suns, right? You just have to go near one sun, the fig leaves will dry off. Are you with me? And they're trying to cover themselves for somebody who's brighter than 10,000 suns with a fig leaf. You, you are a few, few millions of miles away and still the fig leaf dries away. And you're standing right next to God, expect the fig leaf to cover your shame. And you expect the bush to cover you. God comes searching for Adam. That's the good news right there in Genesis. That's the good news in Matthew chapter 1. God left heaven, came. Both in the beginning of Genesis and the beginning of the New Testament as well, you find God coming searching for man. I want you to know something for those who are listening to me. Only, only the God of the Bible 
will come searching for you when you are in your sin and you cannot help yourself and he will help you. Everywhere else you go searching for God. You go running after the mountain, running after the river, running to offer your gold and your hair and your, yourself and beat yourself up. But friend, God comes running after you and say, Adam, where are you? Oh, thank God. Lift your hands and say, God, thank you. We love him because he first loved us. Amen? After the fall, God moved in judgment. He cursed the serpent. He cursed the earth. He judged Adam. He judged Eve. But also he moved in mercy. He slaughtered an animal and clothed them. But he also asked them to get out of the garden so in their sinful state, they will not eat from the tree of life and live in sin forever. Can you imagine somebody like Hitler living forever? I mean, just think about it. Somebody like Hitler never dying. Think about it. Thank God that tree of life was moved away and God made a way. That I want to share with you today the third thing, and this is the struggles of Eve as the first mother. We looked at Eve as the first woman, the first wife, the first mother. She is not only the first mother, but she is the mother of all mothers. Eve is known as the mother of all the living, the mother of humankind. In fact, she is the mother of everyone who ever lived except Adam. Eve as mother. You know, last Sunday was Mother's Day. And in our home after dinner, the mother went to wash the dishes when her young teenage daughter walks up to the kitchen. The daughter was horrified to see the mother washing the dishes at the sink. He said, Mama, you shouldn't have to do the dishes today. Today, on Mother's Day, you shouldn't do it. The mother was shocked because the daughter never helped her. It's the first time she's, and she was also very pleased. Oh, my daughter is. So she decided to take off her apron and put on the daughter. When the doctor said, no, 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 mama, just leave the dishes in the sink. You can wash it tomorrow. <laughs> a little boy was planning to give his mother a gift on Mother's Day. He was a little fellow. And he did not know what he went to a girl just bang opposite their apartment. She was a bit older. She was a teenager. She was much younger. He said, you know, what do you think would be an appropriate gift to give to mommy? So the girl knew this little fellow was very mischievous. He said, you know, why don't you do something? Why don't you promise your mother that you'll keep your room clean and tidy? Why don't you, uh, uh, you know, go to the bed as soon as she tells you? You could go to her as soon as she calls you. You could brush your teeth after dinner. And then you can stop fighting with your brother and your sister. The boy was not convinced. He looked at her and said, you know, not that kind of a gift. I need something practical. <laughs> practical gift. I admire all the mothers in our service today. I'm also remembering those of us who do not have our mothers with us. I'm one of them. My mother has been in heaven for the last eight and a half years. I miss her. And I love her. She's got company. She's with my brother. They have a uh, a seniority in heaven over us. Um, but they get to visit Pastor Stubbs as well. They might be neighbors, I guess. Uh, but we also want to pray for those 
sisters among us that are married, but you have not had the gift of conception yet. You have not become a mom. And so our hearts and our prayers go to you. There are times we pray and God has done miracles in number of our women. Some of you as mothers have had a wonderful motherhood. You've had the support and the love of your husband and your children. Some of you struggle as a mother because your husband has left all the parenting on your shoulders while he's busy on the couch watching IPL. Today you have two matches. Some of you are praying for Hyderabad. Some of you mothers no longer are staying with your husband and our, our hearts go out to you because you have to manage work, home and your children. You have to work hard to put food on the table and pay the tuition fees. Some of you mothers are having an extremely difficult time with your children because they have grown up and they have become very difficult, very disobedient and rebellious. And if you're one of the young people sitting here and you're with either, uh, you're just with your mother, or may I say with just your father, don't rebel, don't be rebellious. They're already going through a hard time. Don't give your mom or your dad, if they're alone, a difficult time. If you cannot help them, don't critique them too much. And I would say, help them. A woman, she changes her name, she changes her home, she leaves her family, she moves in to stay with you, she builds a home with you, she gets pregnant for you, pregnancy changes her body, she gets bigger, she adds on weight, she almost gives up her life in the labor room due to unbearable pain of childbirth. Even the children she delivers carries your name. Till the day she dies, everything she does, cooking, cleaning your house, taking care of your parents, bringing up your children, working, earning, advising you, ensuring you can be relaxed, maintaining all of the family relationships, everything that benefits you, sometime even at the cost of her own health, her hobbies, and even her own beauty. Men, the least we can do is to appreciate them and to love them and to value them in our lives. Can all the men say amen? amen. My heart breaks as a pastor when a man abuses a woman, especially his wife. She leaves all of that to come and she gives herself completely to the man and he just treats her like a slave. You cannot do that. Somehow I feel all men are not prepared to be a husband, although they are in a desperate hurry to get married. I also believe the same for some women. You don't even know how to make a cup of tea. Don't get married, please. You don't even know. You don't even know how to boil an egg. You are a CEO of a company. You are probably a project leader somewhere. Please, lady, go on with your career. Don't trouble the man. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden and they began in chapter 4 and they began having a family. Let's read verse 1 of chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Verse 2. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. He was a farmer. Now, the one of the tra Hebrew translation, one of the translation of verse one says, Adam lay with his wife, she gave birth to Cain, a son. And she says, I have God help, I've got a man, I've got the Lord here. 
Basically, she thought that this child was the seed of the woman God prophesied when he was speaking to the serpent. Basically, she thought, I mean, she heard the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. She thought this, this child that I'm giving birth to might be the redeemer, might be the Messiah. She says, I've gotten a man, even Jehovah. That is what one of the translations says. But really, friend, that was not the Messiah. It was a seed of a, 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 this was a child, but not the seed of the woman that God had promised. Now, between verse 2, you also read verse 25. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. You see, between verse 2 and verse 25, I believe Adam and Eve had many other children. There was 130 years between Cain and Abel's birth and Seth's birth. 130 years. Now, in verse 17 of chapter 4, the Bible states, Cain, verse 17, Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city. You see, and, and, and then he goes on to say, now the question is, who is Cain's wife? The Bible doesn't say. Were there pre-Adamic beings? No. Who was Cain's wife? Well, the simple answer to that is one of his own sisters. See, from the first family, in the, first, in, in the beginning, they were allowed by God to marry close relatives and procreate and replenish the earth. Now, how do we know Adam and Eve had other children? The Bible doesn't mention that, but we know, please understand that every time the author writes something, he has a theme in mind. He doesn't write everything for your curiosity or mine. He has a purpose, a theme, and he fulfills that. Let me show you an example, please. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Exodus 2, verse 1 and 2. Exodus 2, verse 1 and 2. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. That's a beautiful story. When, when you read it, it looks all wonderful. But I want you to know there are many years between verse 1 and verse 2. And there are many children between verse 1 and verse 2. This child that was born in verse 2 was not the couple's first child. How many of you agree with me? Some of you. What was the name of this child? Moses. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 26, verse 59. The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, a descendant of Levi. Both were born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Again, the name of the daughter was mentioned in the end, but she is the firstborn. Miriam, then Aaron, then Moses. Moses is the youngest. Are you with me? So between verse 1 and verse 2 of Exodus 2, already Amram and Jochebed had Miriam. She's already going to be a teenager. And then they had Aaron. 
And then they were having Moses, because when you look at verse 1 to 10, when the baby was kept in a basket and thrown into the river Nile, who was watching the baby? His own sister Miriam. Who went to Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, I can find a mother for you? Miriam. She was already there. But it doesn't mention in chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. The author has a purpose in mind and he goes straight to the story. Right there, Adam and Eve, after the birth of Abel, he had many other children. Amen? Genesis 5, verse 3 to 5. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years. He probably lived another probably 900, 930 years. I don't know, maybe longer than that. But Adam lived 930 years of complete adult life. He didn't have a childhood. He was never a teenager. He was an adult from day one. So 930 years of complete adult life. Hey, the only job they had was to make love and to take care of the garden. And 130 years, they had plenty of kids. And 900 years, they had plenty of other kids. They didn't have what they call family planning those days. And God wanted them to procreate. Because when Adam, when Cain killed his brother, and when God put a mark on Cain, one of the things Cain says is, this punishment is more than I can bear. I'm running away from the presence of God, and anyone who finds me will kill me. So there are already other people in the land, other brothers and sisters of Cain, that would find him and kill him for killing his brother Abel. Think of Eve as a mother. Now I want you to, ladies, I want you to start focusing on Eve right now. She is just driven away uh, with Adam and now they're in the garden. They're outside the Garden of Eden, but they're still not very far away from Eden. And now she is expecting the first baby. Mind you, she's never been through that before. She's never seen any other woman do that before. She has no clue. And slowly and gradually she starts growing. And she's growing and growing and growing. And when she's growing, she's feeling nauseated. She's puking. She's throwing up. She couldn't ask for masala dosa those days. Or samosa. Some of the ladies do that in the middle of the night. But listen, here she's growing and she doesn't know what to do. There was no doctors, no medicine, no mother to help. And this husband of hers is as clueless as she is, a, she is about what is, she's going through. No nurse, no midwife, no epidural, ec nothing except her husband beside her watching and wondering why she's screaming like this. The time came for the baby to be born and she's experiencing terrible labor, unbearable. But friends, in the middle of her labor, she remembers what God said in the garden. You will increase your pain during childbirth. And you will give birth to your child in pain. Oh, she is wailing. She's wailing and she's crying. All the animals are wondering what happened to Eve. She's never cried like this before. You know what? Eve, I, I'm just imagining. My mind goes like a movie film. You know, I just imagine. I can imagine Eve 
looking at other animals. She saw an elephant give birth to a really big calf, a little baby elephant, and much bigger than her size, the baby elephant. She saw a cow giving birth to a calf. She saw a giraffe perhaps giving birth to a giraffe, a little baby giraffe, much taller and bigger than her. She saw other animals. You know what? Whether it's an elephant or giraffe or whether it's zebra or cow, none of those animals that produced a baby bigger than her ever cried like her. Birth was supposed to be smooth and non-painful. Except Eve bit the forbidden fruit. She was remembering. And I can tell you in the middle of her pain, she's going through guilt as well. She's going and saying, oh, why did I do that? What did I bring on myself? What did I bring on all the other ladies that will come after me? Then the baby came out and suddenly she didn't know what to do with the umbilical cord. But you know what? Adam and Eve, their joy was exceeding when they saw the baby and they had more. Let me go cut short the story. It's very, very interesting. Cain was a farmer while Abel was a shepherd and Cain brought some of the fruits of his garden. Abel brought the firstling, the best of his sheep and brought uh, to the Lord. And they were bringing an offering to the Lord. God had already prescribed what kind of offering he needed in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. God was expecting a blood sacrifice. He himself offered the first sacrifice and clothed Adam and Eve. He was expecting, but Cain would not listen to God's instruction. He wanted to do something that is a work of his hands. Cain offered something as a religious act. Even today, some people offer fruits and vegetables to God. God doesn't want fruits and vegetables. He wants a sacrifice. Abel offered a sacrifice, that which God mentioned. He offered by faith, and God accepted Abel's offering. Cain was very, very upset. One evening he said, one day he called Abel and said, hey, let's go out for a walk. While they were in the garden, while they were walking far away in the field, he got upset with his brother and killed him. Today also, there are people who do a lot of religious acts. Kill the people who do faith acts. Are you with me? Many murders happen in the name of religion as a result of fruit and vegetables than ones who offer and sacrifice by faith to God. Right from Genesis till today, more murders happen in the name of religion, in the name of religious acts. It started by Cain. But friends, Cain comes home, and Adam and Eve, perhaps our other brothers and sisters, and they're looking and say, hey, where's Abel? Where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me? No, but where, where is he? He came out with you. You went together. I don't know. God looks from heaven and says, Cain, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Finally, they go and find out. They find out that the brother, his body is out in the field. They go get the body. And I, can, I want you to imagine this. 
Adam and Eve are sitting there and the body of a lifeless son is right in front of them. They have never seen a dead body before. They have never seen a lifeless body before and the body is there and the mother is just looking at the boy and say, hey, why is he not moving? Why is his chest not, I mean, the, 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 the motions of breathing is not there. Why is his hand not, she keeps tapping, hey, get up, get up, get up, Abel, get up. She brings food, she brings his favorite soup, she brings, she brings something for, and say, hey, where is this? Nothing is happening. And she's wondering, why is this guy not talking to me? Is he acting? And then she sees blood on his neck. See, what is blood? I don't understand. She kept the body like that near the tree where she was living. After a couple of days, flies started coming. After two, three days, the body started decaying and started smelling bad. And because she could not bear this smell, she decided to take the body somewhere and bury. And she and her husband are burying her own son. I want you to see the struggles of Eve as a mother. Some of you mothers have probably seen the death of your own child, perhaps in your womb or when they were alive. And it's a very tragic thing to do that. It's a tragedy, it's a pain, unbearable pain. My mother got to see that with my youngest brother when my brother died. I'll tell you, it is a pain no mother wants to see. Friends, all through, now she stands to lose two of her sons because God dealt with Cain and says, I'm going to send you away. I'm going to put a mark on you. And you know, oh, this is interesting. When Cain was justifying himself and saying, am I my brother's keeper? God said, what did you do? The blood of your brother cries out to me. And God pronounces the first judgment, the first curse on Cain for spilling blood. The Bible says God cursed Cain. And he went from the presence of God. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, God did not curse them. God cursed the serpent. God cursed the earth. But now the first man to be cursed of God was Cain. For what reason? For murder of his own brother. I need to tell you, friends, if you're sitting and listening to my voice today, don't be involved in murder. Some of you ladies, without thinking twice, you are willing to say yes to murder of your own baby in your womb. The doctors say, let's do an abortion. You say, okay. Some of the young people, without your parents knowing, you get intimate and you get pregnant and you want to kill your own baby. The way God judged a man for murdering somebody, he cursed him. God hates murder. One of the commandments says, thou shall not kill. Mothers, are you listening to me? All the mothers, all the women listening to me. Thou shall not murder. Murder. Even the child in your womb, you have no right to murder. You have a right to stay away from a man, from intimacy. But once you're intimate, you have a baby, you have no right to kill the baby. Because the guilt of your murder will stay till the day of your death. You have to be careful. Here, I want you to see the agony of a mother. One child is dead. The other one is banished, running away. Can you see the heartbreak of a mother? Can you see the sorrow of a mother? 
Some of you mothers go through a lot of pain and struggle. Friend, the Lord can help us. I want to ask a few questions to the mothers today. First of all, how do you see yourself as a woman? Do you see yourself as unique? Unique in your design, in your gender, in your femininity? Unique to your responsibilities? A man can never nurse a child or take care of a home like you do. You're uniquely made in the image of God, equal to man in your worth. Do you see your uniqueness, ladies? If you see it, just wave at me. If you see yourself unique, wave at me. The rest of you, we need to pray for you. Number two, how do you handle yourself as a wife? Eve was Adam's helpmeet, a support, a helper. She was not inferior, she was a helpmeet. If you're married, your wife, question, are you a support to your husband? Are you a blessing to your husband or are you a pain? I'm blessed to have a wonderful wife. I've been married for over 16 years now. I prayed for 11 years to get a wonderful wife. Because as a bachelor, every trouble that came to my office were troubled marriages. And I was all the most scared about getting married. And I prayed all the more. And God answered prayer. I have a sweet young lady who is a blessing to live with. Are you with me? What I love about her is her sweet nature. She doesn't fight. She's a sweet-natured person. Ladies, I want to tell this to you. Be sweet to your husband. Don't come to him like a man. <clears throat> I got this. Don't do that. He knows how to handle a man. He cannot fight. He can fight with you when you come like a man. But he cannot fight your sweetness. When you're sweet to your husband, he will even wash your feet. He will serve you. Is women, when women come and you listen to all this nonsense happening and say, we got to be better than men, you are. You have a way to deal with a man. And the way to deal with a man is not coming fist to fist. I know some ladies that are terrible manipulators. Christian people using scriptures and manipulating and abusing her role as a wife and being a pain to the husband. Please don't do that. If you cannot be a blessing, why in the world did you get married to him? When you're sweet to him, you eat the fruits of your sweetness. He will be a blessing to you. No man will, will try to create such pain to somebody who's tried to be sweet. Some men are bad, by the way. I agree to that. I see some of them. Be supportive. Number three, how do you handle being tempted? Eve was tempted. He was tempted with a better life. Men are tempted with passing pleasures. Men fall for instant gratification. Women fall for relationships. Eve was tempted with life's elevation. Men get tempted with flesh elevation. Eve was talked into trouble. Men talk themselves into trouble. How do you handle temptation? What is the weapon you use? Eve failed to use the weapon. You have a weapon. Number three, how do you handle yourself as a mother? I do not know any perfect mothers. Perhaps you are. But friend, how do you interact with your children? 
How do you handle dis discipline of your children? Are you setting a godly example for your kids to follow? How is your personal devotion to God? Your personal quiet time? What about your priority to come to church? Once in a while, I hear mothers who are watching me on the website sitting at home in Hyderabad. Don't you do that, mother? If you're watching me, you got to be here in the third service. Come on, grab your sari, get dressed, get here. Sunday morning. As mothers, you're setting an example for your kids. You stay home, your kids will stay home forever. You may do it twice a month, they'll do it six months a year. We got to set an example. Are you a good example of a godly wife to your children? One of the greatest compliments I got was from my son who told me, Daddy, when I get married, I want to have a marriage like yours. I said, wow. He's seeing me sometime argue with my wife, maybe disagree with my wife, and he also sees me loving her, helping her. And with all of that, he says, I want a marriage like yours. One of the highest compliments I got from my son. Mothers, how do you handle a heartbreak? Eve's heart was broken with the death of her son and the banishment of another. How do you handle when things go difficult? Are you trusting the Lord? How do you handle sorrow in your life? Finally, I want you to, this brings me to my fourth point. Let's listen to Eve's testimony. If Eve could talk today, there are three things she will talk to you. Number one, she will tell you a testimony urging you to obey God. She'll say, don't do what I have done. I'm going to call the worship team, please. Don't do what I have done. Eve will tell you, don't eat the fruit. You know, I don't know, I heard this. There are three apples that changed the world. The first one was what Eve ate. The third was what happened to uh, Isaac Newton. The apple fell on his head and he discovered the law of gravity. Remember? The third apple is found by jo Steve Jobs. And everybody is biting one of them. Eve will say, don't bite the apple. Steve will say, bite one. And even his apple, the symbol is a bitten apple. Eve took the first bite. The rest of it, Steve Jobs got it. First is she will say, don't obey, disobey God. Number two, it's a testimony of God's goodness. She says, when I was sinful, when I was running away, God came searching for me. That's a news for you. You've been in sin. You've been in guilt. You've been struggling. I have good news for you. There's a God who left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life. He lived and, and portrayed what God is like. And he came to love every one of us. He gave his life on the cross to forgive you, to make you his own. Number three, she'll tell a testimony of God's rescue. She said, when I was in sin, God God came to my rescue. God came to my rescue. And we'll say, God slaughtered an animal, clothed me. Eve's testimony is saying, God covered my shame. Friend, God will cover your shame and your guilt under the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to close your eyes, please. Eve's story is similar to a lot of your story and mine. 
all of us at some point of time has been tempted by the devil and sometimes has yielded to temptation. You and I have absolutely no right to ask her, Eve, why did you? The only person that could ask her was Jesus Christ who never sinned. My friend, you are no different than Eve. You go through struggle like she did. You struggle in your marriage, you struggle in with your children, you struggle with your jobs, you struggle with, with, with the relationships, friends. God has come to help you. But most of all, I want to say, if you've been in sin, if you've been covered with guilt, that is good news. God comes searching for you. Today, God is coming searching for you. Is there anybody here that feels so down and bogged down by sin and say, yes, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with something I did and the guilt is killing me. It's not leaving me. This morning, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to come to the cross and find forgiveness of your sin and forgiveness of your guilt. And for the rest of your life, you can walk a free person. Is there anybody here that says, I need forgiveness? Lift your hand. I need forgiveness of the sin. I need forgiveness from the guilt I go through. I need the blood to wash me clean. Friend, as the hands are lifted up, I want everyone to pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the garden, searching for Adam and Eve. Today you have spoken to me. You have come to me, searching for me to help me, Lord, when I cannot help myself. I'm struggling with my sin and my guilt is killing me, dear Lord. I ask that you forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Help me to go from this place absolutely clean. Sins forgiven. Guilt taken away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.